0: The Maryland Transportation Authority is hosting a hiring event for highway maintenance technicians Tuesday, April 25th from 1 to 6 p.m. with same-day interviews. No experience necessary. Benefits include health care, on-the-job training, tuition reimbursement, a great leave package, and more. Join us at the Fort McHenry Tunnel Maintenance Building at 4000 Leland Avenue in Baltimore. Learn more at mdta.maryland.gov. You belong at the MDTA. Can you imagine a rainbow of flowers? In a crystal blue sky. Filled with music. And all your friends are there. And everyone is laughing with joy. And the whole world is clean and sparkling and singing like Pavarotti. Put on your wings and fly. Invite us to your house. We'll only be there a few minutes. Our clean and shiny trucks haul away your distractions. And leave your home sparkling with joy. All you have to do is point. Call 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Or visit one 800 godjumpcom
1: He cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. ...produced by a nuclear exchange, would be carried by wind
0: and water and soil and sea to the far corners of the kingdom of God, the kingdom, kingdom of heaven. As one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We're not saying that planet Earth is coming to an end. We're saying that planet Earth is about to be refurbished, spaded under, and have another chance to serve as a garden for another civilization mm-hmm. most of the people in here are just your reflections they're your mistakes 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms one million of the planets eight million species are threatened you are what you repeatedly do therefore excellent talk be a habit not an act. your lives and the credibility of the united nations is at stake i've simply them killed himself the reason this is such an interesting time it's not only because we're on the threshold of the end of this civilization. They're trying to take you out with bullshit. The experience of the past two years has proven beyond doubt that no nation can appease the Nazi. For those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed. The bitterness of men fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass, and dictators die. And the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. In the language of the U.S. Department of Defense, these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Uh,
2: Roswell is a very interesting place. A lot of people would like to know what's going on uh, There's
0: very compelling evidence that we, uh, we came up, with them. This is a garden
1: welcome everyone into Garden of Doom and this week we're really living up to our name um, because we have well not because of who our guest is but because of the topic our guest is one of our friends Reverend Jim Willis he's been on I think three times before he's the author of at least fourteen books, but but uh, one is coming out, and I think one recently came, so it's probably up to sixteen, maybe twenty at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we are talking about today comparative eschatology, so end of days. So really, today you know, Garden of Doom stuff all, all the way in, um, and because Jim is an expert on these things, actually wrote a book called The Religion Book, uh, and also a book called Armageddon. Uh, so, uh, um, you know, there is probably no better source that I know in that uh, in this area, and probably no better guest that, that you know, especially when it comes to comparative eschatology as opposed to one type. So, we are in your hand, Reverend. Thank you so much. I guess again, r- remind the folks who you are, uh, but if they're interested, there the is three prior shows. Oh my goodness, what do you, do you even remember what the prior shows were? Uh, I I can't remember. <laughs> I I know we had a good time. <laughs> yeah, one well, one was on censoring God, uh, yeah. you, you know, the the book where I think Prob- I probably first began. Yeah, we we probably
2: got together when uh, Quantum Akashic Field came out. Yep. And uh maybe ancient civilizations or something like that.
1: Yeah, we definitely did some we did yeah. uh, we covered Sumerian and I think maybe another it, it doesn't matter. Look, look, look up the other shows. Check out all the those <laughs> stuff. They're all great shows. Um, uh, thank and, you. Know, yeah. you know, Censoring God is thank, one of my favorite books in this arena.
2: Thanks, Jeff. It's good. It's good to be with you. When when you called and said you wanted to do something on comparative eschatology, oh, I loved it because you know all these special fields like physics and other kinds of branches of the science and archaeology, they all have their their separate. Vocabulary that they use, the in-group, and when we can, when we can claim comparative eschatology, that puts us right up there with the best of them. I love it. <laughs> oh yeah, good. Okay, we stumbled into that one. That's great. <laughs> when, when when we talk about uh, comparative eschatology, all we're doing is really comparing what different religions think is going to happen at what is sometimes called the end of days or the end times or or whatever and it's amazing how how different they are but it's also amazing how many similarities they have they're all looking for the same kind of things indeed so it's
1: a it's a fascinating subject it really is folks forgive the beeps because i'm sort of playing with the volume um <laughs> yeah so i yeah i mean i think everybody's heard of revelations i'm not sure if they know everything about it i, I think yep. everybody knows has heard of ragnarok it's it's sort of been Changed a lot by you know Marvel Comics and the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, people hear terms like Hades, Tartarus, yeah. Duadal, um, Yeah, Yeah, you know, uh, Sheol, Gehenna. Um, uh, you know, just plain old underworld, uh, limbo, purgatory. Though, though, I, I learned or remembered that the apparently the Catholic Church eliminated the doctrine of, of purgatory about 15 years ago or something, which is, I was a strange flex. And I think one of the important things that, that I've learned is that the, sort of the concepts involving hell and the afterlife, at least in, in some Christian doctrine, like most of it is about 600 years old. I, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where it's sort of got where, you know, ink went to vellum or whatever, whatever they were using at the time. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, but enough of the Jeff show. Let, let's get to the expert. You can start where I don't, I don't, you know, whether or not you start chronologically and move forward or whether you start with the the you know the major religions and, and sort of point it backwards. We're in your hands.
2: Well, thank you. I, I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Um, when we start talking about the end of the world and we start talking about concepts, we're kind of stuck. We, we can't go back. To prehistoric times, uh, we know that probably at Göbekli Tepe and Karan, Karahan Tepe, uh, that these temples in, in Turkey, uh, relatively recently discovered, they probably had a lot to say about how the world is going to end, and it probably had a lot to do with comets. And because we can see some of their their oh etchings on stone, some of their stone carvings that seem to indicate. Uh, constellations in the heavens, and it seems to indicate comets. But they don't say anything because they didn't have a written language per se, and that's the definition of prehistory. Prehistory means before there was a written language. So when we really begin talking, we have to start talking about, I mean, in terms of actual people's ideas of, of what they really believe, we have to wait for texts to come out. We have to wait for the invention of writing. So that really only takes us back about oh maybe six eight thousand years something like that. We have snippets of texts from Babylon. We have snippets of texts from uh, uh, Sumeria, but the actual the actual writing uh, really doesn't start to take place until, until the birth of Hinduism. So I suppose we we really have to start there at Hinduism, and and uh-huh. yet having to decide. To start a Hinduism creates another problem because there is no one religion called Hinduism uh, like Catholicism or Protestantism. Uh, Hinduism is a, a family of, relig- of religions. There, there's more than a million gods in in Hindu uh, in Hindu thing, but there is a kind of a, a general consensus, if you will, that kind of uh, comes from the very very early Hindu texts. And now we're talking five, six thousand years BCE. So we can go back ten, well, uh, eight thousand years, six, seven thousand 7, years. It's six thousand years, where a lot on, on a lot surer footing. But basically, in Hinduism, there came this idea that has been rehashed by a lot of other religions too that the idea is that there are cycles. Um, Hinduism, classic Hindu, I'd I, almost hesitate to call it theology because it's not about a God, but uh, uh, classic Hinduism uh, echoes a lot of what quantum physicists are discovering. Uh, uh, The Hindu Rishis 6,000 years ago had a a, a way of describing realities and a way of describing, they even talked about, you know, the big bang uh, in, in, in effect. Um, we we we've got the Hindu uh, concept of of uh, Krishna or the, or the 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 whole idea of the lotus blossom, for instance, when um, a Brahman uh, you know, sleeps on the, on the lotus and out of his navel flows, you know, and and the whole Hindu thing comes in. But they, they believed, uh, like a lot of uh, physicists and and cosmologists do today, that there are cycles to the universe. And within the current uh, aeon or eon that we're in right now, Talpa, there are 1,000 cycles that can be divided into uh, yugas or uh, epics. And uh, each of them has within the four ages, so to speak. And they're encompassing a, um, a beginning of uh, complete purity, uh, it it be begins with everything is just great, complete purity, but then it falls into total decay. It's it's not evolution, it's devolution. Uh, and it's the evolution, the devolution of uh, dharmic principles. Dharmic is the teaching. And the four uh, yugas that end the last four ages end with the Kali Yuga, which is 430, 432,000 years old. That's the one we're in right now. So we're in the last of the four ages, the last of the four epics. And uh, this epic has been foretold to be characterized by impiety, by violence, um, by decay. Uh, back in the, uh, the Vishnu Purana, which is a very early text, about 100 BCE, uh, we read that social status um, depends not upon your accomplishments, but in the ownership of property, that becomes important at the end. Not what you've done, but what you own. Huh, sound familiar? Yeah. Uh, and they say that, that wealth is now the source of virtue. Uh, virtue is not found within. It's how much money you have, how a, a big important character you are. Uh, passion and luxury are the sole bonds between spouses, for instance. Uh, falsity, uh, lying. Are the conditions of success in life? Those who are successful at the end times get—they uh, th- are liars and 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 they're false. And sexuality is the sole source of human enjoyment at the end times. Uh, religion is uh, superficial, and it becomes an empty ritual. People may go to temples or may go to different uh, places of worship, but they don't really believe anything. They're they're confused. They confused religion with spirituality. Um, now, that was written, you know, uh, two thousand, a little more than 2,100 years ago. And it, pretty good description of our age. It's probably a pretty good description of any age, but at least we know about this one. This The, the fourth age of Hinduism is ruled over by Kali, not, not the goddess Kali, but the demon Kali. In other words... Um, there's a demon in control of the world. Uh, it kind of echoes what we read in First John in the New Testament of the Christian Bible. Uh, the whole world is in the hands of the evil one, John says. Uh, and the, the Puranas go to write that kings in the fourth age or leaders in the fourth age, they're going to be godless. And I love this one. They're going to be wanting in tranquility. Don't you love that? They're going to be quick to anger. And dishonest, Uh, boy! All you have to do is read about (laughs) rural leaders getting together and talking back and forth, and you get that whole idea of quick to anger and dishonest. And it says, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And in this age, in this final age, also, they're going to inflict death, uh, not just in warfare, but they're going to inflict
0: death on women and children. The Maryland Transportation Authority is hosting a hiring event for highway maintenance technicians Tuesday, April 25th from 1 to 6 p.m. with same-day interviews. No experience necessary. Benefits include health care, on-the-job training, tuition reimbursement, a great leave package, and more. Join us at the Fort McHenry Tunnel Maintenance Building at 4000 Leland Avenue in Baltimore. Learn more at mdta.maryland.gov. You belong at the MDTA. The Maryland Transportation Authority is hosting a hiring event for highway maintenance technicians Tuesday, April 25th from 1 to 6 p.m. with same-day interviews. No experience necessary. Benefits include health care, on-the-job training, tuition reimbursement, a great leave package, and more. Join us at the Fort McHenry Tunnel Maintenance Building at 4000 Leland Avenue in Baltimore. Learn more at mdta.maryland.gov. You belong at the MDTA.
2: Boy, doesn't that take you right to uh, you know right to Ukraine today? Uh, uh, it said they're going to inflict death on women and children, and and the leaders will will rise and fall to power uh, quickly. And undisciplined barbarians will receive the support of rulers now that, that's quite a change from classic hinduism because the four pillars of dharma or the teaching of hinduism which uh, was taken over by buddha really and 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 he had his own uh, own take on the dharma but the four pillars of dharma were considered penance and charity and truthfulness and compassion and they say that at the end at the end of time only charity will, will remain, although it, too, is going to decrease almost daily. Uh, it, the Hindu writers said that in the last days, people will commit sin in their mind and in their speech and in their action. And we're going to see plagues. Hmm. I didn't say COVID, but plagues, famine, uh, pestilence, natural calamities. Californians, are you listening today? And it said that people aren't going to believe one another. And that, oh, I love this one, especially in the news today. They said, remember now, this is more than 2000, 2100 years ago. They said at the end times of history, uh, falsehoods are going to win disputes. People win arguments by lying. And brothers will become avaricious. And as each age progresses, the human lifespan is going to start to decrease, starting from uh, well, that what they talked about in the Santa Yuga, a hundred years to the the current Kali, it's going to dece- uh, the Yuga is going to come way back, way way down, uh, and of course our lifetime has just started to decrease. Uh, there are going to be many false religions, the Hindu Rishi said, and many people will profess false knowledge to earn their livelihood. Um, I hope some of the newscasters on big networks are listening to some of that. Uh, False uh, knowledge is going to be decimated, not for any other reason except the people who decimate it want to earn their livelihood. And as each age progresses, life is going to become short, miserable. Uh, marriage is going to be for, for pleasure alone. They talk about droughts. Uh, dry of they, they call it being dry of water will be the definition of the land. All I can think about is what's going on in Utah right now with Great Salt Lake. Uh, any hard-to-reach water is going to be a, a destination for a pilgrimage. And it talks about at the very end times, people are going to be hiding in valleys between mountains. And they're going to be suffering greatly from cold and exposure. And uh, people are going to wear clothes of tree bark and leaves. Matter of fact, they go on to say the people will live less than 23 years. <laughs> that was wow. something to say that long ago. Yeah. And the pretense, oh, I love this one, one of the great texts from the ancient scriptures, pretense of greatness will be the proof of it. Wow, isn't that something? Pretense of greatness will be the proof of it, and ultimately humankind is going to be destroyed, and we're going to start all over again. And that's the that's where uh, Hinduism does have some good things going for it, because whenever you come to the end of one of these things, and this has happened infinite number of times in the past, whenever you come to the end, it starts over, and you begin again. Um, Yeah, there's
1: a lot of those. uh, There's a lot of ages of man. Throughout yeah. the world, and you know, you yeah. you have to wonder if there's a root culture for it or a root belief system. You know, whether yeah. it was in the campfires somewhere, you know, in the in the giant circle, they would be the the steps yeah. to sort of you know, uh, I guess you'd say northern Iraq, Iran. You know, the, some, right. some of the you know, Ministan, yeah. Afghanistan, India yeah. these days, are if it was in the campfires of the, you know the what what is now the Sahara Desert, but was then the you know plush you know, uh, just like the Serengeti or, or sure. Who, yeah. who knows? But, yeah. um, uh, I mean, the Mayans have the five ages of man, the yeah. the Greeks have the five ages of man. Now, of course the, the fifth was, you know, was right after the age of heroes. And I guess would be right now. Um, but, uh, you, you know, which might be the, the last, I suppose, I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, uh, I mean the, the Norse sort of, You know, we went through all stages, but there was only sort of one stage of man till Ragnarok, and then presumably there'd be another. Uh, it's not, Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely clear on that, but you know, the years 432,000 that that's remarkably similar to the Sumerian, you know, uh, list of kings Mm -hmm. 432,000. The Egyptians also have a a list of the the pharaohs and, and kings. I don't think it's exactly the same amount of time, but it's. It, pretty it's pretty close. Up there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's
2: up there. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. And the
1: ages, the
2: ages of been in, yeah. in, uh, in Babylonian and Sumerian texts, the ages of people were much bigger. Even in early Judaism, you know, when you got Methuselah living 969 years, and then it said that now after the flood and everything else, and we start, you know, kind of, and now this time they said the age of man is going to be three score and ten
1: years, basically 70 years. And that was, more than two thousand years
2: ago, when that was written,
1: so right. yeah. At that, some point, have... uh, one hundred and twenty years was the original punishment, then then it got yeah. reduced to seventy. But the fun thing yeah. is that, uh, listen, I don't know if it's right because science keeps changing. But at some point, about five years ago, I read that that scientists have figured out that that the maximum age that a person could live, at least you know, you know, obviously there is going to be some variance, is about one hundred and seventeen years, which yeah. is remarkably close to that one hundred and twenty, right?
2: yeah it is it is it really is it 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 makes you wonder because you know this this is not a new thing that we're going through. A lot of people think you know we hear all these doom and gloom ideas and that we're thinking well at the end of history but no the 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 over and over again It goes way back in history as soon as men could start to write, basically they started writing about the end of the world. It well, seems well, I have to be a feeling that has this be- with all of us.
1: I'm feeling that's part of the thesis of your, your forthcoming book, right, which is, uh, isn't it about cults? Yes. Well, it
2: just came out two days ago, as a matter of fact, oh, American exactly. Cults. Yeah, American Cults. And uh, it's was it. It's been for sale on Amazon for a while, but it just came out um, on Tuesday, I think was the first day that it was offered uh, for for regular
1: sale and it's out in bookstores and Amazon is now delivering them. Well, you don't want to uh, get too much into cults. We should take that. That should be our next topic. Let's talk about your book. But I mean, it plays into this because one of the things that cults do is they mm-hmm. take two days events and and put them into yes. scripture and they say, see this this is that. But when it doesn't happen, they go, okay, we got this part wrong. But it, it, that was that was yeah. the precursor. That's the bridge. We didn't get it wrong. It was just the start. The finish is now. It, it wasn't twenty twelve. Twenty twelve was the start, and the new date is is twenty twenty eight. But watch, that's yeah. just the start. Yeah, and you have to wait yeah. till twenty thirty for, you know, and 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 it's not just those kind. Of, I mean, even the Heaven's Gate. You know, the everyone's in, immortal, and then I, I forget it was like do it was like D and and Dada or whatever were the names. <laughs> And, you know, yeah. one of them died of cancer. And then, then I was like, no, she didn't die. Her soul went first to clear the way for us. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, right. and, and the followers just didn't. Yeah, and, and,
2: and that's why, you know, people talk about this just being interesting. But I think it's not only interesting, it's important. Because t- take Waco, for instance, the classic uh, confrontation at Waco. Here's David Koresh, who had been writing a, a great treatise on the book of Revelation and on the book of Daniel. And he had described in this in this treaty and in, in in this treatise in this book that he was writing that the end time was going to be full of confusion, that uh, the governments were going to come after the true believers, and and Koresh believed that his group was the true believers in Waco, that there was going to be a great war to end all wars, that there was going to be noise and thunder and confusion and and, and signs in the heavens. If people had studied what he was studying, the American government wouldn't have handled Waco like they did because what they did was they surrounded the compound and they began trying to bring the people of the compound down to their knees. And so what they would do, they would play jarring rock music with explosions and lights flashing across the heavens. And it was noise and it was confusion. It went on day after day after day. What the American government was trying to do was use basic techniques to bring the, make the people come out and, and, and give up. What they were doing instead, because they didn't know any of this stuff that we're talking about, they were replicating exactly the very same thing that Caress said was going to happen at the end of days. Right. So when those and people sort of, of Waco,
1: yeah, and and,
2: yeah, yeah, when they saw all that stuff, they said, "Here it is. It's got to be the end." Uh, they had, you know, they couldn't get any, couldn't get outside the compound. They didn't have any communication outside, so they assumed this was probably happening all over the world. They didn't know, and and as and as a result, all those people died. There was no reason for that, and it was just because the people in charge. Didn't know the kinds of things that we're talking about, didn't consider them important. They thought anybody who did consider them, like you and I, well, we're just a bunch of, you know, fruitcakes who are interested in our own thing. We don't know anything about the real world. As a result, if they could have talked to me or they could have talked to you and I, and, and either one of us could have said to them, No, you're going about it the wrong way. Come on, you got the right idea, but you, you're going about it the wrong way. Don't do it this way. You're just, you're, you're bringing to fruition everything that Koresh preached about. And at the end, all those people died. And it was a shame. It was just a shame. It didn't have to be that way. So I think these kinds of talks, this kind of study, comparative eschatology, I, I think it's important, especially if uh, hopefully by the end of our conversation we can see how many of these groups agree on certain things that are going on right today. That if
1: we can study them, maybe we can change. Maybe we can bring something else about. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, so we did uh, the Hindu, which I guess, I mean, I think if I, you were to talk to someone from… India yeah. from the, they would probably call it Vedic uh, the, you know, yeah the, well the-
2: that's that's yeah that, the the Vedas cover part of this uh the Puranas cover part of it all different kinds of Hindu texts and uh, I'm not saying that everybody in India believes this oh, um, well, trust well. me <laughs> There's they're they're as divided about a lot of these things as as people uh you know in our country well, about Christianity but it, it it gives you the idea that there's always a lot going on especially in our Having talked about Hinduism 5,000 years ago, um, let's go over to Judaism because Judaism was developing, uh, about the same time in, in what we now know as Israel. Uh, Judaism was developing a, a concept of eschatology or the study of the end times. And it was in some ways similar. To, to Hinduism in some ways different. Um, there wasn't contact or much contact probably between the two. But in in uh, Judaism, we have to go back to, well, what the Jews would call Tanakh or the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, it's pretty much similar to what Christians call the Old Testament of the Bible. But in uh, Ezekiel chapter 38,
0: when you're struggling with your mental health, the world can seem pretty heavy. Like no one understands what you're feeling or you're not sure how to ask for help. But here's the real truth. You're never in this alone. 988 Lifeline's trained crisis counselors are available 24-7 to offer the help and support you need to make it through. No judgment, no stigma. Just someone to listen. Text or call 988 suicide and crisis lifeline Day or night. 988-HOPE-HAS-A-NEW-NUMBER. The Maryland Transportation Authority is hosting a hiring event for highway maintenance technicians Tuesday, April 25th from 1 to 6 p.m. with same-day interviews. No experience necessary. Benefits include health care, on-the-job training, tuition reimbursement, a great leave package, and more. Join us at the Fort McHenry Tunnel Maintenance Building at 4000 Leland Avenue in Baltimore. Learn more at mdta.maryland.gov. You belong at the MDTA
2: gives a a great uh, description of the final battle of the world, the the battle between Gog and Magog. It's a a climactic war. And in Judaism, uh, of course, this was written right after the Babylonian captivity. The Babylonians came over, captured Jerusalem in 586 BC, took the cream of the the best of the Babylonians back to to Babylon with them, and they became slaves there. Four of those were Daniel, Meshach, uh, and Abednego, and uh, oh, uh, I forgot the fourth one anyway. But Daniel was the the the, the chief one who wrote um, a book in the Old Testament of the Hebrew uh, the Hebrew Tanakh that's an example, one of the first examples of really apocalyptic writing. But Ezekiel, who was uh, also taken in that very same. Uh, captivity, described the war of Gog and Magog. And according to, uh, well, for instance, there's a a biblical commentator and a a rabbi by the name of uh, uh, David Kimby, or Devad Kimby. This war is going to take place in Jerusalem. And however, the Hasidic tradition, which is another academic side of, of Judaism, they hold that the war is not going to occur because the suffering of all the people in the exiles down through the age, including and up to and including the, the Holocaust, the, the Hebrew, the, the Jewish people have already made up for it. They said, but basically, if you go go to the Old Testament, the Hebrew, the Hebrew Tanakh, and you begin to read, you read that God is going to redeem the Jewish people from their captivity that began with the Babylonian exile and then continued when the Romans came in 70 AD and burned down Jerusalem and took the Jews captive into the the great diaspora. And that they believe that at the end times of history, God is going to return the Jewish people to the land of Israel. And this is what made the day, the year, was it 1948? Uh, Was it 46, 48? I'm not sure which number. Yeah, 48 is the founding of the formal, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and he was going to bring all the Jews back to Israel. And, of course, when that happened and the, the Jews began to say, wow, we're back in our homeland again. This is the sign of the times. The beginning of the end is here. It also said that God is going to restore the kingly house of David and the temple in Jerusalem is going to be rebuilt. Well, right now it can't be rebuilt because where the temple stood now stands a Islamic mosque, the big dome of the rock you you all see in all the pictures, and uh, that makes a a lot of people in America, both Jews and Christians, want to want to say, well, let's let's get rid of that, and and that's that's you know let's get rid of the the mosque so we can build the temple and bring back the Messiah. Um, God says that when when the temple is is restored, when it's rebuilt. There's going to be a regent from the house of David, also known as Messiah, who's going to lead the Jewish people and the world. He's going to usher in the Messianic age, and it's going to be characterized by justice and righteousness and peace, and all nations are going to recognize that the God of Israel is the only true God, and God is going to resurrect the dead where they, uh, according to most um, interpretations of this particular ideology said that they are now sleeping just like when they when they died they fell asleep they didn't go anywhere they didn't go to heaven or anything they fell asleep and they're going to be restored and it's just like waking up from a, a night's sleep you know and God is going the, to create
1: she- oh like sort of like the, the, the place of constant stillness constant stillness yeah yeah um It's uh, Jehovah's
2: Witnesses, or not Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh day Adventists have much the same idea today that when we die, we fall asleep. And at the end of time, we will just like wake up and we will wake up to a brand new world. And God will have created a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, in that sense, they have a lot to do with Christianity because, you know, in, in, the, in the book of Revelation, John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea and uh, all this kind of thing. So the idea of, of a savior is going to come down and and save us from ourselves. And that's uh, classic you know, Jewish theology, um, although... Again, just like not all Hindus believe in what we talked about in, in terms of uh, in all people from India don't believe in Hinduism, uh, the Hindu concept, for instance, that we talked about before. Uh, all Jews don't accept this either. There's a lot of nuances here and there, just like in Christianity and everything sure, else. But, the, but-
1: the, the Jewish end of days doesn't really start about the end of days. It start. It sounds like it's the the start. It's not end of days. It's like the start of the good times. A new beginning yeah and and
2: that has a lot in common with Christianity because in Christianity everybody talks about Armageddon being the end <clears throat> but according to Christianity um, Armageddon is is uh it, it's the end of the beginning, but then there's a new heaven and a new earth and Christ comes down to earth and he rules for a thousand years and that isn't even the end because at the end of the thousand years according to Christian classic Christianity uh, uh the devil who has been chained for a thousand years is released and he goes to to fight Jesus again and the armies of the world get together and after the thousand years what called the millennium after that's over uh, satan is finally destroyed and then we enter into eternity for it's lack not of just a better story. he's annihilated that's that's, yeah. that's
1: the, yeah but that i mean the the method of getting there is is a bit more colorful uh is a you know more cinematic epical and you know in in the christian version the, the the jewish version seems it's uh you know you just you just have to i mean obviously that pesky mosque in, the, in that yeah. place though <laughs> so, so, so i'm not really sure it was that specific about that temple like why not any temple i mean a mosque is just a different word for a type of temple so you know i, I mean <laughs> I, I don't, don't want to get a whole lot of people mad at me right now but i you know, i mean if there is one god i i, I just yeah. i just i i have trouble believing that he'd be uh or she or in yeah. probably sexless would be that picky about uh the the particular <laughs> dom- denomination of the the building was that was there to you know, well according
2: according to the according to the strict interpretation of the text and there are strict Jews over in Hebrew uh, over in uh, Israel I talked to some of them when I was over there who actually uh, you know they they believe that the new temple has to be built according to a certain blueprint which is found in the Old Testament it has to be a certain size it has to have a certain number of doors and all the rest of this stuff. And I, I, I will
1: See, God's admit, God's an architect. Uh, I mean, a yeah. very picky architect. God's <laughs> yeah. like the Karen of of you know home remodelers, and, and wants their home. But I'm not here to mock. I just, yeah, I, no, you know, no. It is it is interesting though that uh, the,
2: the Apostle Paul, you know, who wrote third of the Christian New Testament, um, was of course Jewish. He was a rabbinic scholar, and uh, as a Jew, he talked about Jewish history and he talked about what's going to happen at the end of days. And so when we read his writing we're actually reading that we you know we already talked about the Hindu concept of what's going to happen at the end and what the world is going to be like. We we'll compare that to the apostle Paul when he said this in terms of Judaism. He said there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. They will be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. They will be ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, uh, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. They will be treacherous and rash and conceited, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and catch this," he said, "the very same thing that we read about the Hinduism uh, idea in the last time. They will have a form of godliness; in other words, they will have religion, but they will deny its power. Uh, almost word for word, classic Hinduism and classic Judaism. Uh, I find it a classic, uh, uh, at least you know of that of that style. I mean,
1: and I, I I find it amazing that that they are so similar. Indeed, I well, I'm starting to I'm starting to find it less and less amazing because I I sort of tracked it as the language moved and as the language groups grew from similar roots that the, some of the concepts were borrowed. But you know they they just like real world they they go back and forth. Also in the Bible you have the words Hades and Tartarus, which are, of course are yeah. associated with Greek and 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 not yeah. at all yeah. what you would consider. Hebrew or Canaanite or whatever, but yet yet these words they they get translated i was I was listening you know I was watching a YouTube thing where uh, a gentleman was saying that Tartarus and Hades are synonymous no they're not they're 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 yeah. they're not synonymous um and you know if anything Tartarus is probably more synonymous with dul uh you know where uh, I think it was Raphael where he deposited what is azel. In the, in the Book of Enoch, you know, sort of the mm-hmm. fallen, the, the, the leader or one of the leaders of the, the fallen ones, the Watchers, you know, sort of like where uh, Zeus put the Titans, you know, which are, you know, maybe a different type of fallen one, you know, even though they were full gods, but, you know, you yeah. know I, I yeah. guess angels yeah. are agents of gods and immortal with powers, but not gods, you know, which is another sort of concept i don't quite get but all right yeah, um yeah. you I, I, know and
2: it's it, it's it's just sure. as fascinating you know, you don't even have to be involved with religion to do this you're gonna you look at at plato one of the philosophers um when plato wrote the timaeus uh he wrote about uh the continent of atlantis now right. whether or not you take atlantis as a an actual um uh, geographical location or whether it's a metaphor, isn't it really important for our discussion here? What's important is what he said about it. And Atlantis was destroyed uh, in a day and a night. And when he was asked why, he said, because for many generations, they obeyed the laws and they loved the, to the divine to which they were akin. I love that sentence. They were akin to the divine. They were, I'm, I think of the words of Jesus. Know ye not that ye are gods, you know? And he said, these people were akin to the divine. And these people in, in Atlantis, at first, he said, they reckoned that qualities of character were far more important than prosperity. And so, because of these beliefs, they bore the burden of their wealth and possessions lightly, and they didn't let their high standard of living intoxicate them or make them lose their self-control. But then he went on and said, But when the divine element in them became weakened, when they no longer identified with the divine, And their human traits rose to the surface and became predominant. Then they ceased to be able to carry their prosperity with moderation. Boy, there's Plato writing, what, 2,500 years ago? And he's describing the very same thing that the Hindu religion said. He's describing the very same thing that Judaism said. He's describing a lot of what the New York Times says about us today. Uh, It's just amazing. And because of this, he said they were destroyed. Makes you kind of wonder, are are we going to be the next lost civilization? Well,
1: it's amazing. You just quoted Timaeus, and I've been doing a side project, which might make its way to Garden of Doom, but it's for uh, somebody else's show they invited me on. And Plato's Republic came up where he talks about the myth of Ur. uh, Yes. Oh, yes. And also Hades. And he says all humans go there. And and this predates the Bible, obviously, and, you know, in Hades, you know, n- not necessarily the ideas in the Bible, you know, because I don't want to get into that, but the Word, you know, the writing mm-hmm. of the Bible, I mm-hmm. think, was what, you know, the, the Book of Moses was written, what, about 3,300 years ago, 3,500? Well, years? over a
2: long period of time, yeah. It yeah. started back then, and then it was written, added on to for, I don't
1: know, a 1,000 years. Now they did have the Elysian Fields where the where the righteous waited, mm-hmm. uh, and Hades is where I guess everyone else. But it wasn't it wasn't exactly le- Lake of Fire versus Paradise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's 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 interesting.
2: It. It's interesting that you should talk about Plato writing about Ur because <clears throat> I'm involved right now in writing a, a book about near death experiences uh, for Visible Ink. Which won't come out for a year, but I just in this last week I've been dealing with the uh, the material of Plato and writing about Er, who had a near death experience and came back and told people about it. Uh, synchronicity, Jeff, we're on the same
1: page once again. <laughs> Yeah, I, listen, I, 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 you, you know how honored I am to even think that you think that we're on the same page, and we're we're oh, definitely, running. definitely. I yeah. mean, you're a professional. I'm, a, I'm an amateur, though. I mean, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting good enough to fool professionals that I know more than I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> all of us are in that in that boat, Jeff. <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah. That, well, that's the kind of modesty that's going to get you uh, in good standing and keep you from that, that, that pride, which, uh, I mean, you know, Lucifer was, if enough, yeah,
2: if, if was enough of us do, do it, it, maybe we can even put off the end for a while. If we, if we can return to what's really important That's right. instead of, instead of neglecting the divine and thinking that we are, uh, our possessions are, are more important than, uh, prosperity and i mean pros- uh, prosperity is more important than our sense of
1: um, ego and who we are and all that kind of stuff right how we how we comport ourselves versus what we collect but
2: yeah uh, yeah so
1: but since we start talking about daniel and revelations I, I guess we might as well get into the you know the exciting part because we you know before we get to that thousand years and that second war uh, a fi- final you know Wrath, and between mm. you know whether or not you believe the Enochian you know tales of the watchers and and the first re- revolt of god in, mm-hmm. in in between those two is revelations and and daniel yes. and ezekiel and and all oh. and so so we, uh, what what causes that aside from what we've talked about before what what is the the trigger and what what does it look like
2: well in terms of christianity for instance you mean Sure. What 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 uh it's interesting you should say that I'm I'm in my uh, office right now and I'm uh looking at my computer screen but right behind the computer screen is a big window that looks out to the woods where we live and we started talking about uh what's really important in life and a herd of five deer just came out of the woods and started feeding right on my front lawn if that isn't a sign of peace I don't know what is, so <laughs> maybe that's a good sign. Maybe yeah, that perfect. was a sign. Maybe that was a sign from heaven. Uh, Christianity, I, I, you know, being a Christian pastor for forty years, and I'm, I'm still, I still have the Reverend in front of my name. I choose not to use it. I, I prefer Jim. But um, when, whenever I heard people talk about Christianity, Christians believe this or Christians believe that, I always have to shudder. Because Christianity, of all the major religions in the world, they are probably the ones that are most divided about how the end times are going to come to pass. A lot of people say, well, Christians believe Jesus is going to come back. Well, a lot of Christians don't believe that. Um, There are a lot of Christians who simply, they say it, they mouth the words, you know, we believe he will come again and receive us unto himself and all this kind of thing. And you hear it a lot at funerals. But the idea of a a physical return of Jesus Christ isn't nearly as widespread in Christianity as people think it is. Now, that's more on the liberal side of Christianity. As a matter of fact, I begin to think sometimes that probably the return of Christ is what separates what we call liberal Christianity from conservative Christianity. But in in conservative Christianity, there's definitely a, a, a long tradition of the return of Jesus Christ, which is going to end this age. And that's common to conservative Christianities, such as fundamentalists and evangelicals and Pentecostals and charismatics and and like that, uh, believe in the physical return of Jesus Christ. But even that isn't unified. Um, We talked earlier about the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ. The book of Revelation talks about that, devotes a chapter to it right toward the end. But before that millennium, people say that, well, Jesus is going to come back. But not all Christians agree there either, conservative Christians. Some are called premillennialists because they believe Jesus will come back before the millennium of 1,000 years. And some are called postmillennialists because they believe Christ is going to come back at the end of the millennium.
1: Well, who's going to rule during 1,000 years if he's supposed to rule? Is he going to have, like, a you know, viceroys or regents or whatever? <laughs> Well, uh, that, that's all up to up
2: up for grabs too. A lot of people say he's going to rule through earthly leaders. Um, okay, I vote for you, know, you. Yeah, well, no, no, thank you. <laughs> but yeah. at, at any rate, uh, of of the Christians who do believe in the return of Christ, the literal return of Christ, probably by far the most of them believe in the, what they call the premillennial uh, return of Jesus Christ. But even that. Is a problem because before the millennium comes in, there are some very disputed verses from the Apostle Paul and from the Book of Revelation, and some from the Book of Daniel in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 7, especially, uh, that said that there's going to be a seven-year period on earth um, before the millennium, and that period is going to be called the tribulation comes from Jesus' words saying, before I return, there will be great tribulation. Yeah. And you might say, well, where do you get the, you know, where, where's the number seven? How, how come it's going to be seven
1: years? Where isn't the number seven?
2: <laughs> well, that comes from the book of Daniel, believe it or not. Uh, Daniel said there's going to be 490 years to accomplish all of this. And after 483 years, God's time clock is going to kind of stop. And there's going to be a parenthesis Dropped in, and he believed that God's time—that uh, uh, those who follow this espouse this from the Book of daniel believe that after 483 years, God's time clock stopped when Jesus came in uh, into the city on, on Palm Sunday, and he was crucified a week later. So, 483 years, the Messiah came, offered the people the kingdom; they rejected it, according to this view crucified Jesus, and God's time clock stopped, and it will begin again. The last seven years will play out before the millennium. But during those seven years, uh, d- during that parenthesis between the four hundred ninety-three or 483 years and the 490 years, there is going to be the Christian age, which was dropped into the slot. Now we get Even a little farther out there, because the Christian age has been going on now for about 2,000 years, according to this view, ever since from Palm Sunday until the return of Jesus Christ. And during this time, the Holy Spirit has been involved in the earth. Now, this is interesting because there's a particular uh, Christian Trinitarian concept that says, in the 2,000 years between the great flood or between uh, the Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden, and Adam Abraham coming back. There was a two thousand years during which God the Father ruled on Earth, and then beginning with uh, Abraham, when all of a sudden God started to appearing people up, appear to people right and left. That happened about 2,000 years ago. They figured Adam or Abraham is about 2,000 years ago. So that was the beginning of the second period when God appeared to everyone, eventually appearing as Jesus Christ. And this was the time when God the Son ruled on earth. And then when Jesus was taken up and the Holy Spirit came down, that was about 2,000 years ago. So now we're in the last 2,000 years of history, which when God the Holy Spirit rules on earth. Now, does this sound familiar to Christians, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Each one of them rules for 2,000 years on earth. That gives 6,000 years, and then the millennium is the seventh year with Christ, the (laughs) the 7,000th year. So that gives a period of 7,000 years of of history, Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and millennium. And isn't that a nice, neat little... Uh, concept that you can wrap up with a bow. And that's sure, what... Lucky uh, number uh, seven,
1: but it's also unlucky seven because we've got the yeah. seven tribulations, uh, which I guess we need to to get to the end. But there's the seven deadly sins. There's the seven
0: horns the, the on the... Seven the, great bowl,
2: seven the seven bowls of wrath, the seven candlesticks, the seven yeah parchments, the seven parchments, seals. Seven seals yeah.
1: the, seven, the seven princes of hell. Yeah, yeah. So what are, what are the seven seals Ooh, or the wait, seven signs? Or is that even... Is well, the even... number
2: the number seven is just considered to be, um, the number of God. It, it's, it's fascinating. If wow. you go through the book, if you go through the book of Revelation and you look at the, the, uh, descriptions of God or the descriptions of Jesus, uh, his hair was like wool. His skin shone like this. His body was like this. Every one of those is a sevenfold description. You have seven aspects of the, what God would have looked like that so that number 7 is is uh, is the biggie of course but it's interesting because now we think well we got christianity all tied up in a nice neat bow we got father son holy spirit got the millennium there that's great jesus coming back before the tribulation before the tribulation makes perfect sense those who, uh, before the uh, the final tribulation the last 7 years of history Unfortunately, even those who believe that Christ is coming back before the millennium are divided up into three different camps, too. <laughs> and they're called the, the pre-tribulationalists. They believe that Jesus is going to come back before the tribulation, and they believe he's going to come back not to earth, but he's going to come back to, in effect, snatch up. The Latin word is raptura, from where we get the word rapture. He's going to snatch up the believers who are still alive before the tribulation begins, so they don't have to go through it. And they're going to all of a sudden disappear. Uh, Hopefully one of them won't be an airplane pilot with a full plane full of people, or hopefully one of them won't be a taxi cab driver with people in the back seat when all of a sudden he disappears and what's going to happen to earth and everything else. Those are called pre-tribulationalists. But then there's another group of Christians that are called mid-tribulationalists, and they believe that the tribulation is going to begin, and three and a half years into the tribulation, Jesus is going to come back and take up his believers in in the rapture. During the tribulation, that leaves three and a half years of history. But then there's the post-tribulationalists who believe that Christ is going to come back at the end of the tribulation, which will also mark the Battle of Armageddon, which will also mark the beginning of the millennium. So I would love to say that here's Christianity in a nice, neat concept, this is what Christians believe. Unfortunately... (sighs) You get two Christians in a room, you're going to have three opinions, I guarantee it.
1: (laughs) Let's try not to be tied. Let's not try to reconcile all of them. And let's just say that there's lots of different interpretations. Yes. So. The doctor will see you now.
2: But do they really? Do they see you as a mother who's a daughter and a caregiver? Fearless, but sometimes fearful. A health nut with a French fry habit. An O positive geologist named Patty who's here today for a melanoma exam. At Kaiser Permanente, we believe the only
0: way to care for all of you is by seeing all that is you. Kaiser Permanente, for all that is you. Learn more at kp.org. The Maryland Transportation Authority is hosting a hiring event for highway maintenance technicians, Tuesday, April 25th, from 1 to 6 p.m., with same-day interviews. No experience necessary. Benefits include health care, on-the-job training, tuition reimbursement, a great leave package, and more. Join us at the Fort McHenry Tunnel Maintenance Building at 4000 Leland Avenue in Baltimore. Learn more at mdta.maryland.gov. You belong at the MDTA.
1: What are these seven sealed? What's the Antichrist? How do you know the difference between the the Antichrist, if in fact the Antichrist is the false prophet or the false prophet leads the Antichrist, Mm. and the Messiah? who are these four horsemen yeah this this is forward. this is going to be
2: tough um, if if people really want to go into this in detail i I wrote the religion book like what twenty years ago some but i wrote i I, I wrote it pretty uh, I, I covered this in pretty good detail and it still stands, so that might be a good place to start um, but at any rate, to get into some of this uh, some of this idea. Uh, the the idea of the antichrist is is really big. Uh, the antichrist comes from two books of the Bible: the Book of Revelation and the Book of First John. First um, John says, you know, "Anyone anyone who is against Christ is antichrist." But when you talk about the antichrist, you're talking about a world ruler, according to the Book of Revelation. And this world ruler is going to deceive the world into believing that good is bad and bad is good and up is down and down is up and all the rest of the stuff. People are going to flock to him for no other reason than the, his charismatic demonic personality. He's going to have a religious uh a sidekick with him that is sometimes called the false prophet, who is religious uh, in in the sense that people really respond to his religious teachings, but he's a false prophet. He's not really the prophet, and this antichrist is going to be full of the devil. <laughs> he's going to be demon possessed, of course, devil possessed, and uh, he's going to bring together the the nations of the world. And uh he's gonna create, according to the most fanatics of these, probably the most well known was Hal Lindsay, when back in the seventies he wrote the late great planet Earth, which was the thing that kicked this whole thing off in this country. It was a a popular, really popular book. I think he was on the oh the New England on the New York Times bestseller list for I don't know, fifty, sixty weeks, something like that um any evangelical or fundamentalist minister has got one on his got a copy of the late great planet earth on his uh, on his bookshelf i i i went through three or four of them back when I was a fundamentalist myself and it was just extremely popular and it took and then he followed it up by the book called the new world coming or there's a new world coming and uh that was a kind of a popular uh Expose of the book of Revelation, according to Hal Lindsay, who was a product of Dallas Seminary, which is, of course, the, the big Baptist, biggest probably the Baptist seminary. And so it was a, a very fundamentalist uh, ex- explanation, but it was very well written. And he kind of brought all of this stuff together uh, within these two books, and people just latched onto it. And all of a sudden, everybody started hearing about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse um, were the the four horsemen who were going to come and they were going to bring war and death and destruction and and plague upon the earth. Um, and uh, whenever say whenever anybody starts to say, each of them had a different color horse, which the symbolism stood for a different black and red and white and. Pale, I, guess. I I I'm not what, but they became so popular that movies were made of them. For instance, when when Clint uh, Eastwood made his great film about the uh, what was the name of it about the the preacher who was always a gunman and Pale Rider, I guess it was called. Yeah, yeah. 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 Pale Rider. He was on the pale horse, the, bringing death and destruction with him. So the four horsemen. The four horsemen also show up. One of my favorite uh, series, television series of all times, the, uh, the oh what the the swordman, the uh, oh about the uh, the the Scottish I swordman. Like- the high, yes, that's right. There was an, one episode uh, in, in in the Highlander where uh, it turns out that one of the four horsemen, well, all of the four horsemen were immortals. Sure, and uh, uh, one of them, the one who hid out in the uh, uh, in in the monastery. Getting out of the fight for two thousand years, it turns out that he was one of the four horsemen who had, who had repented for his action and went into a life of solitude in a, in a, uh, in a, in a, in a seminary or teaching in a, in a, you know, in a, in a church. So he on holy ground. It, it very popular concept, but the Book of Revelation um, has three different episodes where sevens figure into it. There are the. Um, the seven seals and the seven bowls of wrath, uh, the seven parchments the seven you know each time and there's a big disagreement as to whether these are three different ways you're talking about the same thing, but uh, it it what it all boils down to is that seven times the angels release these things and some of them might be plagues or some of them might be wars or some of them might be environmental catastrophes or uh, all this kind of thing. The seven plagues are in. That all takes place during the tribulation. Earth is just bombarded by all of this devilish stuff. Earth is basically in the hands of the evil one, the Antichrist. And at the end of time, he gathers up his armies. Jesus Christ comes back, and the Antichrist, of course, is defeated and the Antichrist is is um, put away for a thousand years. And it turns out he is what, in the book of Revelation, says he is that old serpent, the devil. Uh, in the book of Genesis, when the serpent gives Eve the apple, it never calls him the devil. We don't, under, we don't know he's the devil until we get to Revelation. And the Christian guy who wrote Revelation says, that was the devil. And so the earth is going to go through all of these things. Well, this is just... Well this is great for cults and stuff like that because boy, talk about crystal crystal ball gazing and talk about um conspiracy theories I mean Revelation is full of them and all this hidden language all this apocalyptic language is just oh it's it's fun
1: to read but I want to tell you it it can get you depressed No
0: it absolutely <laughs> it really can. and it's
1: very confusing because you know you can you can you can look for the Messiah and the Antichrist anywhere I mean you know I I listen I'm, I'm old enough to to you know but also young enough to you know uh, Clinton was the antichrist Obama was the antichrist Trump was the antichrist you know the, the, the who everyone can be the antichrist you know Putin
0: oh, the antichrist my my
2: my favorite was um Gorbachev because he had that that birthmark on his uh, forehead mark, that know, was mark that McCain. was the mark of the beast yeah yes. or uh, Napoleon you know there, there's a little hint given in the revelation you can tell him because um, you can tell who it is because of his name. And here is the code to remember his name, 666. That's the mark of the Antichrist. Uh, and everybody has tried to f- figure out all kinds of code-breaking ways to figure out who you, you can take Napoleon and give each number of, a, um, uh, a numerical equivalent and it comes up to 666 if you follow one pattern. You can do the same thing with Hitler. Uh, people did it with Clinton. They did it with uh, Reagan, uh, especially Ronald Reagan, because he had three names that all had six letters in them. Oh. That must mean he was the Antichrist, right? I mean, it, there's just all kinds of ways of translating and conspiracy. It wasn't six six idea. six
1: mis, a mistranslation from Old Hebrew? Wasn't six one six? Well,
2: that's that's the <laughs> the latest. We have some very early texts. Um, that uh, I have a different number. They don't have six six six. Some of them have six six seven. Some of them have uh, um, different ways. But there are some very early texts that don't list the number six six six, but it lists a different number. And those are usually conveniently swept under the rug because who wants to open Change up a everything. Can of worms six, when six, you don't is need so to? So symmetrical. It's also yeah. one under seven, which one you know, under I seven? Yeah, under three track. times. Actually, it's th- you can say it's three times short of seven, which is
1: you know. Yeah, that, that's true. That's, uh, that, that's fun, too. But, you know, yeah, you can also yeah. say that we were fooled by looking for 666 when all along yeah. we should have been looking for something else. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
2: and, you know, th- and this was true in, in Judaism and Christianity. Islam picked right up on it, too, Yeah, uh, be, uh, because, you know, of course, Muhammad revered the Bible. He considered it, uh, he called it the book. Right. And he considered the Quran to be an additional book, but he valued the the, the Bible. And so, in the Quran and in other uh, Islamic literature, we read there's distinctive signs before the world ends. And he picked right up on this whole Judaism Christianity thing. He said, um, "Before the world ends, there's there's going to be an era of uh, of trials and tribulations, and there's going to be a time of immorality." followed by mighty wars and worldwide unnatural phenomena and the return of justice to the world, which helps explain what uh, motivates a lot of Islamic uh, believers. They, they are trying to bring this about because they honestly believe in their hearts that this is going to happen, and uh, we're fighting it. So they consider themselves freedom fighters. Um, the defining figures— that are going to show up at the end time, uh, such as the Mahdi. That's, you know, we we read that in in the Quran, but the second coming of Jesus. um, Muslims accept the second coming of Jesus too. He's going to bring about a heavenly victory against the Antichrist. He's going to uh, release Gog and Magog um, to the world. And some people have identified this with uh, Soviet Union or China or all these other things. And once yeah, all who, these who adventures,
1: these Gog and Magog, I've seen that a lot, but I've never actually thought. Yeah. It.
2: Well, they're, they're two verses. They, they show up first in Ezekiel 38. They're two countries and nobody knows for sure who they are. Uh, Ezekiel starts talking about them as if they're countries, but then they become personalities, almost like demonic personalities. And, uh, Russia is supposed to be Gog and, uh Magog, up until recently, was considered China, which was going to be uh, Russia's sidekick. That was Gog and Magog. And uh, they were going to be unleashed on the world, but they were going to be destroyed. And once all the events are completed, uh the universe, according to Islam now, the universe will be destroyed. Every human being would be resurrected and then held accountable for their deeds. Excuse me. <coughs> and... Uh, until that time, uh, senseless
1: immorality would prevail. And that has a, a, question, a great... Man. I don't know if you have a good answer for this or not, but if Russia is generally considered to be Gog and yeah. Magog is, is you know, considered to be, was China or whatever, maybe it doesn't matter who Magog is at the moment. But why would Iran, who basically runs by Sharia law, strict Islamic law, why would they be cozying up to Russia for so long now?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> maybe Iran is Magog. Who knows? You know, it's hard to yeah. tell.
2: You um, know the, the way the, the way these these theories go. Uh, but that that does describe a lot of what's going on. Like people talk about um, uh, Islam and and how they treat women, um, especially how women are now allowed to dress, for instance, and and in some countries uh, how they are so persecuted uh, I was over in Egypt and we had a group of us some women went across the street to uh, um, go to the the, the bazaar that was over there and some of the uh, Egyptians on the street took one look at them dressed in American clothes and they started after them we had to go over and protect our women you know because the Muslims believed that immorality would prevail and they put this all on women
1: you know and it, it's wrong but that that's what happens oh, well, that it's uh, back they, to even they, before you Eve took a bite out of the apple that 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 goes that goes back to i mean if you can find the yep. oldest story oh, you yeah. you can find a, the, the the woman and the serpent sort of almost being conflated at a certain point yeah.
2: yeah 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 islam talks about the prevalence of tyrants and uh the use of alcohol of course strict islam they uh you know islamic believer doesn't drink um satanic music was going to cover the world and so they, they listened to some of this music that we listen to and that's that's music of satan you know that kind of thing uh, fornication was going to be so prevalent homosexuality uh disobedient wives that's a biggie in in uh, in that <laughs> murders and lying and cheating and disinterest in and ignorance of religion but they also couple that with the fact that there's going to be a lot of unnatural phenomenon, um, a lot of sudden deaths, excessive lightning, excessive earthquakes, destructive rainfall, terrible drought, a huge cloud of smoke, uh, the opening up of huge cracks in the earth through that earthquakes. Familiar. That, that's yeah, familiar. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. And the sun is going to rise in the west and the, the breeze that is going to carry the souls of the faithful uh, beyond this earthly sphere. Well, that particular now, one I'm and, not and again, worried
1: about. Yeah,
2: again, we, we can't say that all Muslims believe in all of this, but this, this was a, a kind of a classic a traditional form of of Islamic understanding of the end times. So, boy, you put all this together, and it's isn't it amazing how much they have in common about what the end days are going to look like, and then if you want to get really depressed, how... How much does that look like today? You know, it's kind of scary. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Are we living in the midst of a fire? Well, this is where I
1: take solace in what the great philosopher Billy Joel said in his song. He said, (laughs) the the good old times weren't always good. Yeah. (laughs) is bad at the And and listen, the Chinese had the old curse that you have to think about for a second, but it said, may you live in interesting times. Because I think everybody lives in interesting times, and they always wish they were living in... Either oh, a yeah, time yeah. or a different paradise in the future. Yeah,
2: what what we're talking about is new. The fact that is this stuff has been around well since early
1: Hinduism, six thousand years. Now um, the stakes do we- get higher. I mean, it's it's one thing if if you know Rome and and Parthia are at war. That's going to be you know catastrophic for that region and then maybe some spillover yeah yeah i mean yeah. The, the, the stakes are higher now because of the weapons we have and and because uh, it, you know it is sort of a intertwined global yeah. world <laughs> i don't think that's the same as one world government but i do understand if you are afraid of the one world government as being a sign of you know the impending doom that you'd be worried about globalization which you know i mean yeah, yeah. so it, it's almost like cyclical one what you know the one thing feeds feeds itself, uh, but the uh, the end of it, the 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 answer is either you lean into it and wait, and wait, wait for you know whoever your messiah is to come and and you know go through it, or you you just like you know move to the country and and live a simpler life without technology and you know yeah. start growing yeah. your own food and and you know maybe go on you know, kibbutzes or something. Um, or do what you do, move to the, move to the woods. Move, you know, move to the woods and build a garden. So if anything ever, if
2: the grocery store ever runs out, everybody knows Willis has a garden and how long will I be able to keep it? You know? oh, don't tell them that.
1: You've, you've seen The Walking Dead, right? I mean, yeah. don't tell anybody where you are. Nothing good comes from uh,
2: that. It It is interesting. You just talked about Rome, though, which reminds me, uh, you don't have to be religious to come up with these end times scenarios. Back in uh, 1783, uh, Edward Gibbons wrote a wonderful book called The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. And in that book, he came up with five different reasons why the Roman Empire decayed and fell apart. And he said these five reasons uh, were at Now, remember, this comes from 1783, he wrote this. Mm-hmm. Number one, He said, sports and entertainment received more and more money while the plight of the poor was neglected. Never heard of that happening. Number two, he said the the money went to the military rather than to the public good. Uh, Number three, violence in both games and public life became more and more accepted and prevalent. And he pointed some some really close similarities between what was going on in the Coliseum and the death of people for entertainment's sake in the Coliseum and what was happening on the street. Boy, we yep. could listen to that too. Number four, he said, people's faith in government was undermined and justly so. He, he said the government did not live up to what they were supposed to be. Five, he said the thing that brought down the Roman Empire as well was that religions grew fragmented and became a cause of dissension rather than unity. Boy, these people are prophetic, aren't they? We're living Now, we've probably always lived in these times, but the fact that we have social media and know about them so much more makes it, uh, I, I think, in our day and age, much worse because um, these... You know we we can we can spread these things abroad. People who never would know each other existed can now get on a computer, talk to somebody half a world away, spread these ideas around on their social media network and uh just remind all of us of how terrible the world is. Is it any wonder that we wake up depressed in the morning sometime? Wow. <laughs>
1: Indeed, you. unless you have a show called Garden of Doom, and then you know, <laughs> you know I, I, I've I've done jujitsu. I flipped the whole thing around. What what what, what about Ragnarok? What you know, you know the, the Norse, obviously. You know, and it's not just Norse to Germanic. It's part of Russia into the into the Celtic. It's it's all sort well you
2: know some of the some of the great Norse myths were written in Greenland, yeah, uh, pretty close to home. Maybe even here in the United States, you know, I mean, who knows if the Vikings got got to uh, Newfoundland or uh, who knows they didn't come down to Cape Cod and
1: go up the Mississippi
2: and all this kind of
1: stuff. Well, I think it's pretty established but, that some some at least did. Yeah, um, but yeah. Ragnarok, I mean, you know, it it also ends with a giant serpent and sort of the hero sure. savior of man uh and know, and, and the, the world tree
2: you know mm-hmm. and uh yeah, all this kind of stuff yeah uh that that was it was big and popular and and it convinced uh a lot of the Vikings that that was the way to go, man, die in battle and and you get to escape it, so uh you know it was a uh you know <laughs> you you wonder how and and why these things are always depressing, and yet, on the one hand, they're depressing because they all seem to be talking about the same human condition, which seems to have been with us for 6,000 years. But they also talk about a new beginning. And, you know, you would think, you know, we've left one major world religion out, and that's Buddhism. And you would think in a religion like Buddhism, there wouldn't be quite so much of that. And I I don't think there is quite as much, but it's still there. Um, Buddha said that his teachings— his dharma was going to disappear in about five thousand years from his passing. Now that corresponds to our calendar to about forty six hundred CE. We're right now in twenty three, uh, or twenty twenty three, and so we have to get through to forty six hundred, and then the Buddha's uh, Buddha's working his his dharma, his teachings are going to disappear. And at that time, he said that knowledge of the Dharma, or his teaching, Buddhism, will be lost as well, and the last of his relics will be gathered together in uh, Gaya, and they will be cremated. And then he said there will be a new era in which the next Buddha, Maitreya, will appear. But it will be preceded by, here we go again, the dead degeneration of human society. There will be greed and lust. And poverty, and ill will, and violence, and murder, and impiety, physical weakness, se- sexual depravity, societal collapse—can't think of any more. So I'll just leave it at that. But you get the idea. Yeah. And okay. then he said, even uh, the Buddha himself will be forgotten. But this is going to be followed by—here uh, we go again, like the millennium—a golden age. Uh, Nikaya uh, wrote that at that period, brethren, there will arise in the world an exalted one, and fully awakened, abounding in wisdom and goodness, happy with knowledge of the worlds, unsurpassed as a guide to mortals, willing to be led. He will be a teacher for gods and men, an exalted one, a Buddha. And he by himself will thoroughly know and see, as if it were face to face, this universe with its worlds of the spirits. Does that make you think multiverse or what? You this oh. universe with its worlds of the spirits, its brahmas and its maras and its world of recluses and brahmins, of princes and peoples. And uh, he will know and he will see them and he will lead this world in a new golden age. So even even in Buddhism, we find a little touch of that Terrible thing is going to happen at the end, but at the end, on the other side,
1: a golden age, just waiting to happen. Oh, well, even also, even in Ragnarok, I mean, one they had the seven the seven realms, which could be uh, multiverses if you yeah, don't want to look yeah. at it that way. Sure, also, sure. Even, even in Ragnarok, they were survivors. I, I can't remember if it was two of Thor's brothers or two of his children, but two of his kids, adults. But they, 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 you know, there were survivors even in Ragnarok. People think everyone yep. died, but not not exactly everyone. Yeah. I have some possibly random questions for you. I'm not sure if they are or if they're not. But somewhere in – this is going back to Christianity. I'm not sure if it's in Revelations or not, but at some point there's something about that there's going to be 144,000 witnesses, yep. which some interpret to be survivors, which is a pretty small number. So what what what's that about the 144,000? Because, you know, maybe in the year 2200 or you know, 200, well, 300, that was a lot of people. Uh, Especially if your world was, you know, 500 miles in radius. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when
2: when the book of Revelation uh, was written, one of the seven seals opens the book up, and uh, John looks into the book, who is said to be the author of Revelation. He looks into the seal and he seals, he sees two groups of people he sees uh, that are saved, that are taken up to heaven. Uh, One of these groups, he says, there's a great, cloud, or a great crowd of witnesses. These are Gentiles, believers, who are taken up to heaven. There's a bunch of them, much more than 144,000. Okay. But he also sees 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. And these are going to serve as uh, leaders on earth. So these are, this this is the upper the upper echelon, the board of directors, so to speak. Now, of course, if you talk to the Jehovah's Witnesses, they have a different take on this. They believe that the 144,000 are actually 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses who are the elite, the CEOs, so to speak. Um, So it isn't just 144,000 people who are taken out of this and serve as God's people. There's also this great crowd of uh, Gentile believers along with them. Uh, But even still, it's... Seems like a pretty small,
1: small number. Yeah, but so even in religious orthodoxies, then there's uh, there's still going to be an elite. Because it's funny, sort of like the enemy of most, you know, extreme groups is the elites. But you're you're going to end the elitism to.
0: The Maryland Transportation Authority is hosting a hiring event for highway maintenance technicians Tuesday, April 25th from 1 to 6 p.m. with same-day interviews. No experience necessary. Benefits include health care, on-the-job training, tuition reimbursement, a great leave package, and more. Join us at the Fort McHenry Tunnel Maintenance Building at 4000 Leland Avenue in Baltimore. Learn more at mdta.maryland.gov. You belong at the MDTA.
1: Get a new class Well, some read. some people are more elite than others. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. it it's chosen yeah. by God they're, they're the right. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'll leave that one alone. But thank you for clarifying that because that always confused me. All right. I have another one that's completely random and may, in fact, be completely nonsensical. Um, I doubt it. And it has to do with the tepies. So – there's Goble- Gobekli and Karahan or Karahan is is the new Cara- one. Karahan Karahan Tepe,
2: yeah. And I'm sure they'll find more. And and they I already think. have, yeah. they already have. Uh, and and oh, you'll love this. There are seven of them. Oh my! Goodness. That they've already found. Wow. And I know that there's a yeah. even older Gobekli. Yeah, there's there's a a group of them right now that are they've all been seen through ground penetrating radar and through a little bit that's showing, and but they just are barely beginning over there. Göbekli Tepe was the first, and for a long time, a lot of writers, including me, we didn't know any better. We thought, oh, Göbekli Tepe is one of a kind, um, and it was this this unbelievable temple that just shows up overnight, ten thousand six hundred years ago. And how did a group of hunter-gatherers living in Anatolia, which is present-day Turkey, how did they all of a sudden learn how to build something as sophisticated as Gobekli Tepe? And we were saying, well, it, 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 it stands alone. It's all by itself. But then a number of years ago, uh, some of these other places started to be developed. Uh, Karahan Tepe is now getting all the print because it's even a little bit older than Gobekli Tepe. And yet they all seem to exist in the same area of the country, and in one sense, it answers a question, how did Gobekli Tepe people know how to build that sophisticated construct? Well, they had to practice on Karahan Tepe, except now it appears that Karahan Tepe is just, not, it, it is just as, if not more, sophisticated than Gobekli Tepe. And so now the question is even bigger. How did these people who were hunter-gatherers one morning wake up and decide, let's not build one temple, let's not build one gathering place, or whatever it is, Gobekli Tepe? Let's build a bunch of them, all in the same area. Why did they do it? How did they do it? Well, archaeologists are starting to try to learn how. They know where. They know when, because they can doubt it. But they don't know what it was. They don't know why it was built. Really, there's all kinds of ideas. Um, It seems to be, Gobekli Tepe especially, seems to be some kind of a temple, which means there was some kind of religious thing going on there but with Karahan Tepe it goes way beyond a, a temple it's obviously used for something else did people live there but and where did it come from to build this kind of construction you and I couldn't do it we couldn't get our friends together and no. build something like that how did they do it and they did it quickly and they did it right after the end of
1: the last ice age the younger Dryas ice age Right, so um, you can you can cue the the Graham Hancockians versus the Eric von Dannaganians right yeah now oh abso- well, absolutely they're they're
2: going to be saying not only did they do these things and and build these unbelievable megaliths uh they either learned how to do it themselves or they were taught uh and say so say, well, if they were taught, who taught them well it was either a previous um Advanced civilization that lived during the ice age that was wiped out when the ice age happened, which, incidentally, was the very same date that Plato gets for the Plato gives for the, uh, the disappearance of Atlantis. Yeah. But uh, so it, it could have been a, a group of people, a civilization that existed during the ice age that saw one of these great endings of history. And yet there were a few who managed to survive and a few who managed to escape and pass on their knowledge. That's one way of thinking this is what's going to happen if our world comes to an end. A few of us will make it and we'll begin again. Another golden age will start. Or did it come from someplace else? Did it come from teachers from another dimension did it come from teachers from space and all of this kind of stuff aliens comes into
1: it don't forget huh? The giants. oh the giants that's right that's right that's right i don't want to give this short trip so where I was going with that is that the symbology on on the teppies is, is i mean some of it's familiar some of it's not uh some people think that it is some of it is con- the constellations or different constellations maybe it is maybe it isn't maybe the constellations came from the symbols there not the other way around who knows i don't yeah. i you know yeah yeah, I it's look in the tell. stars, I, you know, I I don't see the same things that others Yeah.
2: See. Yeah, so, I I still I still try really hard to see a, a great bear when I look at the big dipper every every morning, but
1: yeah, I can't I sort see of, sort a bear overturned like uh, <laughs> what are those, it's those a cards that, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway,
2: it's right outside but, it's right outside my front door every morning when I go out and sniff the breeze, I look up and I see the big dipper and the stars always pointing toward the North Star. I just find that that's a ritual that I do every single morning when I can
1: see it. And well, uh, I think everyone did it, which is why that that whole thing is so prevalent. And the the, yeah, the you yeah, know uh, yeah. the Sagittarius, the Hunter, Orion the Hunter, and and uh, the Seven Sisters, which we can only see six of them now. Yep. The Subaru, yep. Um, yep. but I you know there's something in Your neck of the woods, not that close, but it was called the Georgia Guidestones. I think they've recently been torn down. Oh, I just just wrote about
2: them. Uh, I I did a remake of my book, Savannah, uh, which is a story of a bicycle trip I took from the top of the Savannah, from the source to the sea. And I talked about stopping by the Georgia Guidestones. And now I couldn't believe it. In the remake, I had to talk about them being
1: blown up. Wow! Right, so they mm. were blown up because I guess people thought that they were fake. But A, do you think they were fake? And B, did they have any sort of apocalyptic tone to them? And and C, oh, yeah, did they? Yeah. Are is there any connection to the symbology on the Georgia guidestones and the tepis or anything else that we touched upon? Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, the the whole purpose of the uh, Georgia guidestones, according to uh, this Mister Christian who wrote them, and nobody knows who he was, for sure. Uh, the only one who knew his identity is, is now dead. Uh, but the one who financed them, the one who set them up, the one who gave him the design and everything else, he called himself Mr. Christian, and he worked through a local banker up there in Alberton. And uh, when they built the Georgia Guidestones, they were particularly put on this spot of ground. He needed this spot of ground for some reasons, and one of the reasons given was that in case of a worldwide apocalypse. The Georgia Guidestones were um, designed to give instructions on how to repopulate the world. And they had 10 different instructions. I haven't got them in front of me, so I can't. But one of the big instructions was you have to keep the world population at a, um, I forgot the number, but it was a ridiculously small number.
1: It was like 225 million, something like that. Something like that, yeah, yeah
2: and some but the the whole purpose of them being there was to give directions and they gave uh i thought some pretty good ideas you know about how to establish a world government that would justify would would rule in peace and how to keep your population in control and uh they would deal that with ethics and that with morality and they were written in all these different languages and they were designed to withstand an earthquake right there if if they needed to be. So that when the world population, when the world collapsed, there would be the Georgia Guidestones with instructions on how to rebuild. The problem is that, of course, a lot of, well, fundamentalists, uh, thought this was of the devil, and they said, "They said, well, the world guidestones, the, the Georgia guidestones, for instance, they say we're supposed to kill off the great majority of people in the world." today. Yeah. no, they never said that. They said, "If it happens, and you have to rebuild, watch your population because that's going to be a problem." Well, that makes sense. You know, it only does make sense. We all know the world is overpopulated now. So the Georgia guidestones are are very. Popular and 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 I mean, they a, a very uh, you know, Yoko Ono went up and she even used one of the commandments on the Georgia Guidestones in one of her songs. Um, and I never, I mean, I visited them oh, probably a dozen times, sometimes with my dowsing rods and everything else. And sure, there's energy lines running up through there. There's a matter of fact. There's a ley line that runs right through my house and my medicine wheel. Right up through the Georgia Guidestones, continues on across the country and crosses over the uh, uh, the Great Lakota Sioux medicine wheel in North Dakota. Uh, so there's a lot of earth energy involved in that. A lot of other stuff. But I never had the idea that this is was uh, you know evil or saying do this or say that. All it, all I got out of it was that if the worst happens if catastrophe happens here's some good instructions on how to rebuild and to me they all make sense
1: it's not telling you what you must do now it's telling you how do you reconstitute yeah Yeah, Um, yeah
2: and they didn't make it to the catastrophe because somebody said a charge of dynamite they still don't know who and they blew up one of them and because they were all connected it was worried that uh People were really worried that if they blew up just one of them, the rest of them wouldn't be safe, and they didn't want all the people going up there, so they tore down all of them. So now well, I go. Where are, I go where are the other ones? Do we know? Oh uh, well, they just took them down, and I, I don't know if they're going to re, recast it or redo it or not. The whole town is caught up in a tremendous fight. Some people love the Georgia Guidestones in that town because tourism. it does draw it does draw in a lot of tourism. Some people hate them because they feel they're of the devil. Uh, and this Mr. Christian, everybody, you know, kind of thinks that he may have been, and I think it's probably a pretty good guess, perhaps a Rosicrucian. And the Rosicrucians have always been considered to be of the devil, so to speak, by Christian folks and all this kind of thing. So I don't know, but, uh, it's interesting you pick up the Gordon on the Georgia Guidestones because I never,
1: uh, I I never thought about it when we were thinking about this this discussion today. Well, good. Now I gave you something else to think about, which may lead to a new <laughs> book, which may lead to another show. So hey. Well, I
2: I already I already covered it. it's called it's called Savannah, uh, bicycle journey through space and time, and it's a it it's a story. It just came out. The second edition just came out a couple of weeks ago and it's uh you can read you can see it on my webpage jimwillis.net or it's advertised on my facebook page jimwillis.author um we did a couple of um uh youtube videos about it on my youtube page and uh when uh, when oh, i wrote you, about your it youtube page who- is great oh thank you thank you when I uh, when I wrote about them in this reprint edition, I never expected that I was going to. I mean, in, in the first edition of the book, I talked about the Georgia Guidestones, but in the second edition, I never expected that when I wrote that book they were going to be gone.
1: Right, well, now you can have a third edition where you can see. Maybe you can compare it to other stuff, and you can you can uh, put you can give me uh, some credit, or I'll write a forward or something. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> oh, there right, you so, go. Now I don't know if you know the answer to this, but is, is there any? Uh, end of days sort of parallels in in what I'm going to call the new world, which is stupid because it's all the same. But sort of First Nation, sort of we'll we'll take it from you know from from the from the tip of Canada all all the way down to Terra del Fuego. If there's any sort of commonalities or or frequently encountered, you know, or like two major or three major uh, end of days. I know there's the Ages of Man and, and, and at least some of those uh, those those cultures. Well,
2: some of the probably the most popular. Uh, are the Hopi beliefs, because the Hopi believe that um, we are in the uh, a fourth age. Three ages came before us, and uh, each of those ages was brought to destruction, one through water, one through fire, one through flood. Um, and then we're in the fourth age right now. And they believe that this fourth age um, is close to the end, uh, and the Hopi, it, it was—it's an extremely sophisticated belief. I, I don't want to dishonor them by just, you know, going on too quickly. And I know we've been talking now for an hour and a half, so I, I know we're running out of time. But that's a, a, a great one to look at. Um, uh, there are others that are somewhat similar. Uh, you know, of what? course, everybody's that's, that's every, everybody was thoughts. everybody was aware of. Um, um, the, the ghost dance, for instance, during the time of Sitting Bull, when the Indians were dancing and they believed that if they did the correct prayers and the right dances and chanted the right ways and wore the right clothing, that uh, the buffalo would come back and the white people would disappear. Uh, they saw that the, they saw the coming of the Europeans as really the end. And in a way, they were right. Yeah. I mean, more than just in a way. They were they were, they were right, period. Well, they got plague uh, the and famine, too. What well was it? Yeah. There are others. Uh, other… Concepts which have the idea of no beginning and no end. I think, in in some sense, the uh, First Nation people are way ahead of us on this. Uh, a lot of their philosophers are, are much more comfortable with uh, not having to try to picture a beginning and end. They said we can't.
1: You it, know, I always, don't want to burden you. Always with been here, iscus. always will be. I have two thoughts. One, we can come back to sort of indigenous, whatever that means, in indigenous yep. uh, end of days. Uh or I can leave it to uh Shaman Safford who's who's kinda come back and uh maybe get him to cover those things. But that I when like I said last that question be because I don't want to leave out two continents. Uh is is and, and again, the answer's probably been either the same, maybe you don't know, or it's it's too varied to say, but is there sort of like a commonality in Australian, and when I, I include Australian, I, I also include all of Oceania and, you know, so, yeah. so the South, yeah. West, South Pacific Islands yeah. and Africa, which, you know, I, I'm not going to ask you about our Antarctica because we don't know if there's anybody there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. To, to, to
2: get an idea, uh, if, if anybody wants a fun way to get some idea about Aborigine, uh, Australian Aborigine ideas about the end, rate, all you have to do is watch the first. Um, uh, Crocodile Dundee movie. <laughs> There's a scene in that movie where there he and the woman reporter from New York, they're sitting out there in the middle of the outback, and she says, "Well, don't you have a, a saying about you know what's going to happen to the world?" And he says, "Just look across to those mountains. They were here way before we came. They're going to be here way after we are after we go." And I love that concept. It just, yeah, there. You know, the the mountains last forever. That's a common, common idea. Well, they don't last forever. Cosmologists will tell us that. But in terms of human life, pretty darn close to it. Geologists will tell us that too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there are there are different schemes of belief depending on who you're talking to. Uh, if if you can talk to a shaman about it, I think it'd be wonderful. I'm, and let me know when he's going to be on because I really want to hear that
1: conversation. Well, he's done one show with us before, but it, it, it wasn't as specific. But he's sort of agreed to do uh, continuing series. And and I'm sort of proud to say that, that we didn't we of- didn't mention yeah we we didn't mention the Mayan for instance. Uh,
2: after I wrote Armageddon, now. And uh, you remember the – what? I forgot what year it was, 2000, something like that, where the the Mayan year was going to – the Mayan calendar was going to come to an end. Yeah. Uh, Boy, my phone was ringing off the hook to do interviews on that day. (laughs) They wanted me on the phone when the world came to an end. Right. Uh, It was – it didn't happen. I think the best we could come up with was that there was an explosion of a volcano in
1: Iceland. I think that was the only thing
2: that was close, but –
1: yeah, oh, I remember that too. Yeah, there's no air travel <laughs> for a while, but yeah, I mean, I think right. the, the best guess is that the, they ran out of space on their block yeah. to keep riding yeah. them, and they had projected yeah. something like, like, yeah, and, two thousand years in advance. Yeah, that, that's it, what, yeah. that, that's pretty good planning. Um, every yeah. calendar, every calendar comes to an end and starts over again. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. So, all right, well, maybe we'll do a, a future show more on on indigenous eschatology uh, and something like that, but. Anyway, um let let's give a chance. I mean, you've said your website, you told about your YouTube channel, we've mentioned some of your books, but let's give you a chance to put them all in, you know, on one time. Let let's promote it all things Jim Willis right now.
2: Oh well Well probably the easiest is just to go to the website jimwillis.net And uh, it has, I don't know, five or six pages into it. And one of the pages says books, for instance, and it lists all the books that I've written and reviews both good and bad and uh, all this kind of thing and uh, talks about what's coming up next. But one of the most important pages on that uh, website is the contact page you know you and I can talk to each other and we know we're listening to each other. we have no idea who's listening in, and I like to hear from people so if you want to contact me, uh, just go to the contact page and you can write me a uh, a note. I try to answer everyone that I can and uh, that and I'll know you're out there <laughs> and on the bottom of on the bottom of every page uh, of the website, there's also a link to the Facebook Oh, there's a Facebook icon to my Facebook page, and there is a YouTube
1: icon for the YouTube page. So once again, jimwillis.net, and I hope to hear from you. Yeah, why tell you about the, the books that, that came out and then the forthcoming book?
2: Well, the, the book that just came out is called American Cults. It just went on sale uh, Tuesday. And it's all about, just like what the tub- the topic says, American cults. Uh, it's cabals, corruption, and charismatic leaders. And it was a book that was fun to write in one way because it was a lifetime of experience dealing with cults. But it was terribly depressing in other ways because uh, there are five to six thousand cults operating in the United States right now, and I had to take the ones that were the most well known. And the ones that were very dangerous, the ones that were the most famous, because it is a book, after all. And in doing so, and I also discovered that I, that was those were also the ones that were the most depressing to read about. There's some terrible stuff going on. But it also gives advice about what a cult is and how to get out of it, if you're in it, and how to get a friend out of it, if he's in or she is in it. That book just came out. Uh, The next book that's coming out uh, this spring, I don't know when yet, I haven't seen the galleys yet, but they're supposed to be sent to me within the next week or two, is a book called Cosmo and Me, which I really love because it's kind of a memoir autobiography. It's not really just an autobiography. I haven't got that much of an ego. But what it is is the story of uh, what it was like to be a spiritual seeker over the last seven decades of American culture. Uh, Roughly speaking, American culture has changed during my life anyway, every 10 years. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different culture. And each of those 10-year periods uh, has demanded a different kind of spiritual approach. And that's what the book is about. How do you live in that spirit in this day and age? Um, I always have to push my my favorite book, the favorite book that I've written, uh, with my first work of fiction, uh, it was called The Wizard in the Wood, and I loved everything about that book. I loved the writing of it. Um, I did an, my own audio book of it, so I had to learn how to the engineering skills to become a, an audio engineer. I've been in music my whole life, so I've done a lot of studio work, but I never knew what the engineers were doing on the other side of the uh, <laughs> the glass. Now I know, and it's a, it's in Kindle and it's in in uh, also a, heart, a paper bag, and uh, so that. Book out the one that I'm working on right now, which will probably come out about a year from now, uh, is uh, a book that I'm really excited about too. It's about near death experiences, and it's kind of a sequel to my book on out of body experiences called Quantum Akashic Field. And, and, by, and by the then, way,
1: The Wizard in the Wood is on Audible, and it has yep. that's a five star rating. Look at that! Oh, you know I have that. one <laughs> credit. Nice,
2: um, nice to know it. That's great. The uh Uh, Another book that's going to be coming out this summer uh, is a book called Sabuko and Me. And it's the story of a spirit guide who I met through dowsing who has been with me every day of my life. And, Since and, and dowsing is searching
1: him. for water. For those of you who don't know, well,
2: uh, yeah, I not necessarily for water, but more for earth energies, oh. and uh, more just as a way of experiencing the unknown. I learned through dowsing that uh, I can actually talk to Sabuko. and he has become my spirit guide. And I don't think there is a day has gone by in the last twelve years that he and I haven't had a serious conversation and. I know it makes me sound kind of wacky, but remember, I'm also a Christian minister, so you know, I've got, got one foot in this world
1: anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, this is great. We have so many new ideas for possible future shows. It could be uh, First Nation uh, or indigenous eschatology. It could be the the American cults. It could be the, the first oh, you, who, who knows just you just uh, just just give me a call Jeff I'll, I''m I'm here anytime I love talking to you I love talking to you too but I'm very conscious about not overburdening anybody, any particular guest um, but you know I'm not shy and we'll schedule, we'll schedule it up but I thank you so much uh, for your information This thank is you. something that I think is really really fascinating and that it's so different but really so similar. And yes, those of you worried in, in, in that we're in the end of times, people have always been worried that, the, that they're in the end of the times. But yeah. because this, this is the Garden of Doom, I can't say you're wrong. So you know, uh, that's bad. That's bad for business. Um, yeah. So <laughs> actually, listen. If anybody's worried about greed, whatever, I, ha- I don't make a dollar off the show. I probably never will. I don't even care about that. I just uh, this is my my sort of my intellectual and entertainment search for for knowledge and to meet intelligent interesting and fun people Mm -hmm. and like i have a relationship with with reverend jim willis which just you're doing
2: you're doing important work jeff because how else is a community of like-minded people going to get together and this is this is wonderful this is the good use of the internet
1: i think it's you're doing you're doing important work you really are Thank you. I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for coming on. So thank everyone follow Jim, subscribe to his YouTube channel, buy his books. I, I, I just uh, use my, my credit on Audible to get Wizard in, in the Wind, uh, or in the Wood, rather. And I'm going to listen to it as soon as I'm done with the, the book that I'm listening to right now, which I'm getting to the final stretch of. So that is terrific. Uh, and I have read Censoring God, and uh, which I loved. And I read the Akashic book as well, which was great. Uh, I have the religion book and I have Armageddon I really meant to read Armageddon before I, I got here um before I got to the show but I failed in that so I apologize. Well it's a, it's a tough book to read. <laughs> yeah. But most of your books are extremely easy to read and you know they're they the, the 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 thoughts and are are dense and tough but the writing is not. Uh you have thank a you. very good writing prose. So thank uh, you I sure appreciate 20 it. Yeah. 20 books. Um, anyway, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day, and for those of you out there, please rate, review, refer, and I never say it. Subscribe. Subscribe so the show automatically comes into your feed. Garden Views is a companion show. It's it's very different. It's more topical and sort of like things that you might see in the news or in the legal world or in the business world, but it's the same type of style and, and you know, for the most part, the same uh, quality of guests, and uh, again, it's me trying to find out things I don't know about uh, that uh, I want to, and, and hopefully you do too. So this this week I'm recording with the gentleman who is an expert on chat GPT and that's very relevant. I've had uh, guests on cryptocurrency and uh, cybersecurity, but I've also guests on cannabis law and the moon and stuff like that. So uh, anyway, check those things out. And Garden Views tend to be a lot shorter than Garden of Doom. And listen, if you think these shows are too long, listen at speed one and a half or two I listen to myself at two times speed. I I find myself much easier to listen to. Anyway, (laughs) I thank you all for listening. Please listen again. Please refer to your friends and colleagues. And once again, thank you to Jim Willis. It's always a pleasure.
2: Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it.
0: The Maryland Transportation Authority is hosting a hiring event for highway maintenance technicians Tuesday, April 25th from 1 to 6 p.m. with same-day interviews. No experience necessary. Benefits include health care, on-the-job training, tuition reimbursement, a great leave package, and more. Join us at the Fort McHenry Tunnel Maintenance Building at 4000 Leland Avenue in Baltimore. Learn more at mdta.maryland.gov. You belong at the MDTA.